Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. Hey, we're glad you're with us here on the Three Martini Lunch. As Jim mentioned yesterday, he is not here, but Chad Benson is back. Chad, we gave you the day off yesterday, but uh, back in action today. Thank you so much, as always, for being with us. Chad is the host of the Chad Benson Show, heard on the Radio America Network. And Chad, uh, I don't know if it's a violation of the constitutional ban on cruel and unusual punishment, but we've got another three-hour debate (laughs) among the Democrats on Tuesday night, and we've got lots of bites to talk about and lots of different things to talk about. Jim and I suspected a lot of folks would play their cards close to the vest on the Tuesday edition of the podcast. That's not really what happened uh, at all. Uh, In fact, uh, Elizabeth Warren was seen, I think, by pretty much everybody on that stage, with the possible exception of Biden, as the clear frontrunner because folks went after her, particularly with her ongoing refusal to admit that she'll raise taxes on the middle class to pay for her universal health care, Medicare for all, single payer, whatever you want to call it. So here's a, a few clips from that. First of all, Warren being asked, yes or no, will you raise taxes? And uh, gave a longer answer than a yes or no question. Will you raise taxes on the middle class for pay, to pay for it, yes or no? So I have made clear what my principles are here, and that is costs will go up for the wealthy and for big corporations and for hardworking middle class families costs will go down and some of the mild-mannered midwestern moderates say that quickly uh went after her big time starting with uh, Buttigieg. mayor Buttigieg, you say senator warren has been quote evasive about how she's going to pay for medicare for all what's your response well we heard it tonight a yes or no question that didn't get a yes or no answer look this is why people here in the midwest are so frustrated with washington in general and capitol hill in particular Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything, except this. No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for All plan that Senator Warren is putting forward is supposed to get filled in. And here's Amy Klobuchar. At least Bernie's being honest here and saying how he's going to pay for this and that taxes are going to go up. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but you have not said that. And I think we owe it to the American people to tell them where we're going to send the invoice. Ah, but the Warren and Klobuchar dust-up wasn't over. I've spent my entire life on, on working on how America's middle class has been hollowed out and how we fight back. I've put out nearly 50 plans on how we can fight back and how we can rebuild an America that works. And a part of that is we've Thank got you, Senator. to stop Americans Sen- from going bankrupt over health care. Senator costs. Klobuchar, do you want to respond? Uh, Yes, I do. And I appreciate Elizabeth's work. But again, um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. So, Chad, we're trading punches over how to pay for stuff. We're trading punches between public option and single payer. We actually got some uh, some wrestling or some some punching going on here. What did you make of it all? She just wouldn't answer the question. You know, afterwards, she sat down with CNN uh, and they like everybody grilled her and she just refuses to answer the question. She just talks in circles. Van Jones really went after her and said, look, you want to make sure that everybody has to get on the same train, even if other people want to take an Uber, a Lyft, a pogo stick. And and she's like, then she starts saying, well, it's for, you know, a single payer shouldn't just be for the rich, you know, Medicare for all. And she just, she goes in bizarre areas and starts talking about you know different people and people she met and i'm like she doesn't get it you're gonna have to raise taxes and and you want to eliminate private health care 
You want to make everybody essentially captured to the government. And that is insane. And you're still, I mean, as we all know, Greg, the reality is government says it cost A. And then we find out later, well, we spent B, C, and D as well. That's the fear for a lot of people that, you know, what you're offering us is going to cost 10 times as much. You're going to kill the insurance industry and continue to raise taxes over and over again till you can't survive. You may have health care, but you're homeless. And she can't win middle of the road people with that. And even if she wanted to go all in on this, which if you're going to have the plan, you might as well be honest with it. Like Sanders is. It's a terrible plan, like you mentioned, for all those reasons. But uh, his argument is, look, you're paying a ton in health care costs now, out of pocket, premiums are going up, mainly because of Obamacare. I'm going to tax you, but you're also not going to have to pay all that other stuff, so in the end, it's a net win for you. She could say the same thing and avoid this whole hassle. Why do you think she won't? Because her fear is she needs those middle-of-the-road people. In the end, that exhausted majority, the 70% of people that are a little bit right, a little bit left, who are looking around saying, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to go with Trump, but if it's Trump, I'll probably take that over Bernie. Uh, they're looking for somebody to fill this gap where you're not just talking to the extremes. And she's afraid that if she says that, she's going to lose those people. You might as well embrace it because the problem is everybody already knows exactly what's going to happen based on these plans. You're saying I endorse everything Bernie says when it comes to Medicare for all. Are you going to raise taxes? Let me tell you about a family in Idaho. And that is not an answer. Exactly. What you make of Joe Biden uh, diving in here? He's for public option, which it, it, it's just a matter of how soon you want the government to take over health care, depending on whether you're for single payer or for the public option, because either plan pretty much heads in the same place. But Biden's argument was, look, hey, man, that's 30 trillion dollars over 10 years. That's three trillion a year. That's more than the whole federal budget. That hasn't been more than the whole federal budget for a really long time. So I'm not sure what year Joe Biden thinks it is. Sometimes in his answers, I'm not sure uh, he has any clue what year it is. But uh, he kind of got left out in the cold on most uh, topics yesterday, didn't you think? Yeah, well, and I think one of the things was when Joe, too, I think it was somewhat of a concerted effort to try to ignore Joe as much as possible so it didn't become Joe and Hunter and impeachment talk. It was an opportunity to talk to other people. He was right, though, in in some ways about what the cost you know, is, yeah. how ridiculous it's going to be. And if you, you know, like you said, look, if we got rid of the Pentagon, every single person serving essentially in the military, we got rid of all of these things. We still can't afford what you're putting forward. And then Bernie's like, well, you don't have to have a copay. OK, <laughs> what, is, what are you talking about? So I don't have a copay, but instead you're still charging me twenty thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars a year for insurance. Let's talk about our bad martini here, Chad, because uh, Elizabeth Warren knows how she's going to pay for everything, although she won't really admit how she's going to pay for single payer. But she thinks she's going to pay for a lot of stuff through a wealth tax. We've already seen through a bunch of studies that it's not going to come anywhere close to all the stuff she wants to do. But nonetheless, she's still talking about how this is how we're going to get public college and university tuition for free, pre-K for free, yada, yada, yada for free. Here's her explanation. The rich are not like you and me. The really, really billionaires are making their money off their accumulated wealth, and it just keeps growing. We need a wealth tax in order to make investments in the next generation. Chad, I don't know what a billionaire is compared to a really, really billionaire, but apparently uh, they're more billionaire. Uh, Andrew Yang seemed to be, for a moment, the voice of reason here, because shortly after that, they tossed it to him, him of the $1,000 a month fame. But uh, here's what he had to say about the wealth tax. And a wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle. 
The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, and all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems and did not generate the revenue that they'd projected. And so for about 10 seconds, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, there's a Democrat who actually doesn't want to raise taxes. And then we should not be looking to other countries uh, mistakes. Instead, we should look at what Germany, France, Denmark and Sweden still have, which is a value added tax. If we give the American people a tiny slice of every Amazon sale, every Google search, every robot truck mile, every Facebook ad, we can generate hundreds of billions of dollars and then put it into our hands because we know best how to use it. Chad, you know this better than I do. Value-added tax basically adds to the cost of everything at every stage of production and delivery and everything else. And so, yeah, you might get a little sliver at the end of it, but you're going to be paying a whole lot more for everything. And uh, chances are it's not going to work out on your balance sheet. No, you know, I lived in uh, uh, Europe for several years, and VAT was always a big thing that they talked about. The one thing that differentiates us from Europe is – We have city tax, we have state tax, and then you have a value-added tax. So in all of these other places, they just have a value-added tax. There is not – we're taxing on top of taxing on top of taxing. The state's not giving up their sales tax. The cities aren't going to give up their sales tax. So you're going to add something to it. In those countries, let's just say for the sake of argument, you go and you buy a car in, in, in like Denmark, a new car. You're going to be charged uh, essentially 100% tax on whatever that car is, give or take uh, in certain areas what it costs. So my friend, he came over here from Denmark. Uh, he bought. Uh, he wanted to get a Golf GTI. He's like, oh, this thing would have cost me like $100,000 in Denmark. And we were laughing about it, how expensive it is. That's how they make their money. Again, Europeans will tell you. The reason that we're able to do the things we do is because we rob from each other to pay for each other, and most of us are middle class. So that's the reality of that. And people don't understand that because they don't care to understand because you got to go and look into it. Everybody likes the free stuff, but the reality is once you find out you have to pay for the free stuff and you start breaking it down, you decide, yeah, you know, maybe that ain't for me. You mentioned you spent several years living in Europe, Chad. So when you look at the cost of what it was when you lived there compared to when you came back to the States, how surprised were you by how much of a difference the VAT makes? You know, it makes a huge difference. It really does make a big difference. Uh, and, and, and I try to tell people it's just it's the tax itself over there is tremendous. Now, I always say, everybody, look, if you have a broken arm, you know, it's great not to have a bill. Where you have to, to deal with the, the, the craziness when it comes to, to like healthcare and stuff. It's great not to, but at the same time, when I got really sick, I couldn't see my doctor. I had to come back to America. And yeah, stuff's way more expensive. The day to day living is more expensive. And it really puts obstacles up of people trying to break through from the middle to the top. And that is just the reality of it. The middle and the bottom live almost identically the same. Uh, and the top will always figure out a way to live better because that's what they do because they're smart. You know, we were talking about Monday and Bernie accusing Elizabeth Warren of being a capitalist, which didn't come up as far as I can remember on, on Tuesday night. Uh, you said it's always about other people's money. And here we go again with the Democrats all night long. Yeah. Uh. Other people's money, man. Other people's money. And the, and the greed side of things, man. Nothing is more greedy than a, than a socialist who wants your money. You can scream at a capitalist on Wall Street, but let me tell you something. Somebody who needs your money to do their plan, that's greed.
Yeah, the capitalist doesn't have the claim on your money. They can't take it from you unless you actually want what they're selling. That's a big difference. Yeah. All right, let's go to our crazy martini now. And it's not really crazy for us, Chad, but it's crazy for a Democratic debate because right out of the gate, Anderson Cooper starts asking everybody about impeachment. Is, are we close enough to an election where impeachment doesn't matter? And just about everybody on stage says, no, 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 rule of law, uh, holding everybody to account, yada, yada, yada. Until we got to Tulsi Gabbard, who is in favor of the impeachment inquiry, but she poured some cold water on uh, the Democratic hysteria here. And I'm guessing she just got crossed off Hillary Clinton's Christmas card list. Here we go. If impeachment is driven by these hyper-partisan interests, it will only further divide an already terribly divided country. Unfortunately, this is what we've already seen uh, play out as calls for impeachment really began shortly after Trump won his election. And, and as unhappy as that may make us as Democrats, he won that election in 2016. What? Somebody admitted what? that Trump won the election? She went on to say that he can't probably get convicted in the Senate, at least at this point. So uh, Trump's going to feel exonerated. That'll actually be a boost to him. And then later in the debate, she actually had the temerity to be opposed to third trimester abortion. So I don't know if she got chased out of the hall at the end of it, but uh, she definitely stood out. Yeah, she did. And look, there are two people on stage last night, Pete Buttigieg and Tulsi Gabbard, where you look at them and you say, you could appeal to a lot of people who are disgruntled uh, conservatives. Uh, you could appeal to a lot of people that are a little bit center left or, or even some other people that are just uber conservative, but they just they just don't like Trump. The problem is, is they're running on the Democratic side and the Democrats don't want to hear what they have to offer. One of them is too young. I always I continue to say this. If Pete Buttigieg was 48 and he had a little bit of gray hair, I don't think there'd be any question who'd be running away with this right now. And Tulsi, she's run afoul from her. She's more libertarian than Democrat. And she just spoke the truth last night. And as we all know, in this day and age, last night was more about the tooth fairy and fantasies than it was about reality. I got to ask you about the last question, because for almost three hours, uh, they're throwing questions out to the Democrats. And everybody, of course, is saying Trump is evil. He's the worst thing that's ever happened. Every policy is just to benefit the rich. He's greedy. He's corrupt. All this stuff. Republicans are uh, going right along with it. They're just as bad. We got to take back the Senate. Evil, evil, evil. And then the last question is, talk about someone you've disagreed with politically and how it changed you. And then everybody like a light switch got flipped. We really just need to reach across the aisle. I know John McCain, or I knew John McCain. John McCain. Everything was about John McCain. <laughs> yeah, I know. What'd you make of the absolute 180-degree switch of, oh, yeah, I'm totally the Democrat's Democrat, and then I'm the guy who can bring everyone together? Or the guy. Yeah, well, and, and here's the thing. You saw it last night in, in, in the sense that Bernie and, and Elizabeth, they're appealing to one side of the aisle. They realize where the tribes are nowadays. They don't feel they can unite the country at all. So their whole thing is, is I'm going to win this, and that's basically who I'm going to serve. There are other people on stage last night. They asked Julian Castro, tell us a friendship that you have that would surprise us. He's like, I like old people. <laughs> You're like, what? That's not, you know. And then Tom Steyer's like, I know a black lady in Alabama who doesn't have clean water. You're like, what? Like, what What are you talking about? Like, I think what they wanted to know, like, who gave one of the best uh, examples last night, which was just, I think it was, was it uh, Beto or Cory Booker that he and Will Hurd drove 1,600 miles and they talked and they live streamed it and they had fun? I'm like, that's real. Like, that's a real situation there where you're talking about somebody 
But if you can't have open-mindedness to have an actual conversation with somebody as quote-unquote on the other side, it shows you that we got a lot of work to do in the political sphere to unite us when it comes to politics. Because you and I both know, i got a ton of friends that are progressive. I'm sure you've got friends who are Democrats and progressive. It's not us. It's the politicians that have that issue. It's amazing. It's amazing. Julian Castro, (laughs) I have people, I know people that are tall. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, there wasn't a question. That was hilarious. Now, to his, in his very minute defense, he had to go first, and there were 12 people. So by the time you got to the end, they had 20 minutes to think about it. But, uh, yeah. But that's the only – you don't look, – look, I have debated Julian. When I was in uh, uh, San Antonio, he was, he's been on the show. I was out there with Jack Riccardi. Him and his twin brother were on the show. And we debated, they're really they're, – they're actually really nice, good guys – uh, and it's just funny, though, because it was such a I know old people. You're like that again. Wait, what? Like, that's just I have a nephew. It wasn't the I love lamp. <laughs> and there's another one. Tulsi Gabbard probably had Democrats thrown up in their mouth. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good buds with uh, Trey Gowdy. Yeah, we're tight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that is a mate like that is a good thing to say because that's the way it should be. I talked yesterday to uh, Congressman David Schweikert and Schweikert tells me all the time. The people that, that that he's friends with that are on the left side of the aisle that, that he, you know, battles with every day. He says, let me tell you something about, he goes, Maxine Waters and I, he goes, she loves my daughter. She absolutely does. And he's got a young daughter. She's three. And she goes, when we went we, out there, you know, I'll turn around and she's over there with Maxine and they're having fun and stuff. There's just a certain sense of we don't get to see that, that they are human beings. But last night when they were called to it, some of them were just so ill prepared for anything that had to do with humanity and not a stat answer. The only humanity they know is their canned. Uh, I met this person. Their canned in New lines. Yeah, I met, uh, I met this family in New Hampshire who uh, magically would benefit perfectly from my plan. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Chad, uh, amazing. Good to be with you as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Chad Benson, host of The Chad Benson Show. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. Also, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget to subscribe to The Three Martini Lunch. Leave us a great review at iTunes or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.